This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Necessary Roughness. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, we got some ground to cover. Obviously, most importantly, the fact that the Detroit Lions, after 30-year wait and the first ever Division North Championship, the last time they won the championship, uh, the division title was in 1993, and it wasn't even North at that point. It was the Central. Tampa Bay was still in the division. Yeah, you were what in your sixth sixth year at Washington? <laughs> not quite. Not quite. I was still. I was a junior in high school. Not quite. Right, was, what year were was, you born? I was six years old. I was born in okay. '87. Yeah, right. so I was yeah. a little pup. I don't remember that one. Right, yeah. I'll never ass. forget this one. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I, well, so what was it like in the locker room? Um, man, it was incredible. You know, the game. Felt like, uh, you know, in control early, middle part of the game, like, oh, 14 straight points, we're losing. Okay, we got a rebound. Hey, we got under control. Oh, shit, you know, we've had some bad memories at, uh, at this stadium the last couple of years with last-minute comebacks um, to finish that game off. Watch the – you know, I was right behind where Iffy made the interception and my eyes immediately went to the sideline because I think that's when it sinks in. Yeah. You know, mission accomplished. Um incredible you know just being able to be there be a little fly on the wall for their celebration uh you know when went through the locker room kind of heard some of the post-game speeches watched them give out the hats and the t-shirts watch the guys dance Did you get yourself um, a t-shirt? i got a hat yeah one of the guys yeah. gave me a hat i wasn't gonna grab one you know i mean i'm a radio guy right um but one of the guys actually brought it up to me and you know said here take that home and it doesn't fit my big ass head, so I gave it to my son for Christmas. <laughs> it's a little too small for my fucking melon, um, so I gave it to my son. Um, great hats, by the way. But yeah, it was um, you could you could see the different ranges of emotion, right? The excitement, the relief. Um, 
you know, young guys coming in that really don't know how hard it is yeah. to accomplish something like this. And they do it in their first or second year. You know, I, I go back, I was a player my second year, we won the Super Bowl. And I remember my mindset being like, oh, that wasn't that hard. You know, I'm only two years in, we already ran, won a Super Bowl. It wasn't until year eight, nine, 10 that I really realized how much I took that for granted and how hard, how difficult it was to do that. Um, you saw that with the young guys uh, Sunday afternoon, you know, celebrating, you know, hey, this was easy, man. We're good team. And then you saw the older guys, Decker, you know, Frank, Graham, you know, uh, Romeo Cora has been here, you know, through a couple regimes, um, even a guy like that. And you see the emotion on their face and it's almost just a, a sigh of relief. You know, finally, we did it. Finally, after all these hard years, <clears throat> we're going to get the respect that we deserve, yeah. you know, and that we earned. Uh, Taylor Decker probably had the most emotion out of anybody, you know, that I talked to. He's the only guy, like guy that I would think a lot that of ups would, and downs, you know, would be a layover from if if you're going back to Caldwell, Caldwell, but yeah. Bob Quinn's first couple of years. So Graham was here at that point. Okay. Graham was here with Patricia. Graham left to go to Denver for a couple of years, came back. So Graham yeah. hasn't been here as steady as right, Taylor he has. Was, he was. They came they in together. They were rookies yeah. together. They both understand the history of this team, right? So I kind of grouped those two guys together. Frank was a guy who came in with Patricia's first year. Yeah. Um, so he saw a couple different regimes has been around for a while too. Um, but to see guys like that, get to get a chance to finally celebrate, you know, something positive. And, and I think the moment in the moment it hits you that, uh, you know, we're not a joke anymore. You know, like we, you have to take it serious now. Now you got to put some respect on our name. When you talk about the Detroit lions, it's no more, how are they going to find ways to screw it up? You know, like you're not the butt of every joke. People aren't looking down at you anymore. Uh, you're looked at as a legitimate team and as legitimate players, right? Taylor Decker's looked at as a guy now that's a starting left tackle on a division title winning team mm -hmm. and a team that's got a chance to do a lot of good things for the rest of the season. Like those things hit you in the moment and all those emotions that you get. I mean, it can be overpowering. And I think for a lot of guys, it was overpowering in that moment. Uh, it was an exciting locker room to be in. I'll tell you that. But I also got a sense too, John, that <clears throat> it was another business trip. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like was there. I feel like the celebration was appropriate for what happened, right? Like th this wasn't a team that hey, we won the division for the first time ever, and this is the only thing we wanted to do this year, and we did it, right? Like that rest of the year, whatever cherry on top, we're done. We won the division. You don't get that sense. You got a sense of this was a business trip. We came in to do a job. We got we well, mission accomplished. We're division title champs. We're going to celebrate it like we do everyone in the NFL because they're all they're they're all difficult. None of them are easy. Um, that one probably a little bit more. But I also got the sense that job ain't finished, man. Like we got a lot of still ahead of us. We know we're going into a short week against Dallas. We know what kind of beast they can be at home. We still know what kind of positioning we can put ourselves in to maximize this opportunity that we have for the rest of this season. So I thought that how great the celebration was, I think maybe more admirable was the fact that so many guys still knew, Hey, this ain't over, man. Like we got a lot of work still ahead of us starting with a short week going to Dallas this week. We're going to enjoy this one. We're going to enjoy Christmas. When we get back on Tuesday, it's all business. That's done, right? Goal number one checked off. Goal number two, let's see how high we can get our, our playoff seeds and, and how we can maximize our chances once we do get to the postseason of putting together a legitimate run. Now, I mean, you and I talk about offensive line all the time, and it's clear when they have a healthy offensive line, this team it can play with anybody. 
but specifically Frank Ragnow, from a guy that played on the interior of the offensive line, what are you seeing from Frank? How important is he and, and vital and critical is he to the success of this offense? Look, we all know what Frank is physically, right? Frank is a all-pro, uh, Pro Bowl-type center just based off of his physical abilities, his abilities to block guys, his abilities to win one-on-one consistently. That's what makes him a good player. What makes him a great player and a special player in my mind is what he's able to do mentally, what he's able to dissect uh, from the other opposing team's defenses in Minnesota, finding, you know, some sort of uh, pattern in what they like to do in their in their rush, in their blitz, in their coverage schemes, um, finding some tendencies, right? That takes a lot of work. You have to be a special player to kind of pick up on a lot of those things. It took me a long time in this league before I yeah. got to that point where it's like, Boom, seen this a hundred times. Yup, this guy's blitzing. Hey, let's check the protection. Frank is that type of guy that he sees everything. And I think it makes everybody else's job so much easier on the offensive line. But it takes a, a whole lot of pressure off of Jared Goff, too. When you have another guy that sees it the exact same that you do. I've been a part of teams where, hey, as offensive linemen, we're allowed to make suggestions and say, hey, we think we're getting pressure here. Why don't you flip the protection? We were allowed to do. I've been part of other coaching schemes that, no, you just shut up and do what the quarterback tells you to do. Yeah. I always felt like that put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. If I can see it, why not save him a step and say, hey, you know, oh, yep, we're on the same page. Got it. Yep, let's go. That's how Frank operates. And talking to him after the game, you know, he was sitting in his locker room and he was exhausted. And um, <clears throat> he was like, man, my head hurts. Like, it just hurt. And I'm like, you, you good? Like, I thought maybe... You know, I got blindsided. Got yeah. Harrison Phillips, the big boy at D-Tackle, like, well, you guys had a good battle in there. He's like, no, just mentally finding out where Harrison Smith is and locating Josh Metellus and locating some of these other defensive backs that they like to pressure when we're in two-by-two two or when we motion, you know, jet motion across, they like to fire the nickel, right? Like, he was mentally exhausted from that part of the game. Um, but that's what makes him a special player, and I think that's what makes this offense really run at a different level when he's in there because it just looks so much sharper. It looks smoother, right? There doesn't look to be any miscommunications or, you know, you go back and watch the last four Minnesota games. It's like four or five times a game when they're bringing pressure, somebody blows an assignment and somebody you're getting your free quarterback running. drilled and it's sack fumble. It's I'm hit as I'm throwing the ball interception. Like that's how they feast, right? Minnesota does. I didn't see one play in the past game where there was a free runner. I saw protection, uh, uh, first of all, a scheme that Ben Johnson, Jared Goff, Frank Ragnar were able to get him in the right protections and the right adjustments. I saw better execution, and I didn't see any of that. And that, to me, it lets me know, A, you had a good plan against it, and B, yep. you had guys that could see it, right? It's one thing to see it all week in practice and walkthroughs and when you're watching on film, but when it's flying right in front of your face and you look at the play clock, you got five seconds, you got to make a call right now. That you got to be right, you know, and they were right. And all, a lot of that leads me back to Frank and his ability to just understand what their offense is trying to do, but also understand how defenses are trying to stop it as well. Getting them in the right place, right? That's such a big thing. And look, not every play is going to be a home run. You can say, oh, we should have went outside zone instead of inside zone. Damn, you, but you get you in favorable matchups to where you can say, hey, we can get five, six yards. We can get seven, eight yards. And maybe eventually we're going to bust some of these. That's all get, just getting in the right play and giving yourself an advantage at the line of scrimmage. I think it starts with Frank Ragnow, and I think it takes a lot of pressure off of everybody else's job, especially a guy like Jared Goff on the road, hard to communicate. When you got guys up front that you can trust, that you know what they're going to do, it makes his job a lot easier. And we've seen how high of a level he operates at, too, when he's got his starting five in front of him. 
And so it's not obviously the offensive line. Um, you know, so many times we think it's the key, but I think for for this team, for protecting Jared Goff, for allowing him the opportunity to use utilize all his weapons, I think it's it's even more so for the Detroit Lions this year. But when you look at the weapons, and you know, obviously in the backfield, you've got Montgomery and Gibbs. Another unbelievable moment, couple moments for for Jameer Gibbs as a rookie, Laporta. Uh, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Josh Reynolds. Now you've got J-Mo is starting to come on. What do you have? Yeah. Six targets, five catches, and he's made some some tough catches yeah, in the last the, couple of the weeks. Mi- over the middle, too, right? Yeah. I mean, those are tough catches in the NFL. Is this the offense that we kind of all thought we would be able to see at the beginning of the year? Now that Gibbs, Laporta, J-Mo, some of the young talent is – getting the touches, getting the opportunities, but you're also seeing, hey, like Laporta, wasn't targeted a lot in this game. Yeah, three catches, 18 yards, not a – But, you know, I mean, I'm coming off some of his former off, right, performances, but, you know, you've you've got to cover him, but then all of a sudden, yeah. what is it, 12 catches for Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, I mean like, – You can't cover everybody. And, and really two weeks in a row now we've seen this offense operating at the level where we think it's – the expectation, right? It doesn't look like they're operating at a level that's unsustainable, that they're yep. just getting lucky, you know, man, like busted coverages or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it looks like a level that you can compete with anybody when you play this type of way. And it, clearly it starts with the offensive line. It starts with the protection. Um, Jameer Gibbs and, and Sam Laporta, you know, I interviewed Frank for our pregame show last week, and I just said, man, how important is it for you guys to just have these rookies, these young players, not only contribute, but get, like they get better every week. And he was like, Teej, man, like, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen a group of young guys that can just lock in and just know what we're and understand what we're trying to do and just, you know, find ways to just keep improving and have such a big difference uh, ability for our offense. Like, I've never seen it before, you know, and Jameer Gibbs is clearly that guy. Um you know, the one fumble he had was a shame because that would have been a highlight run. I mean, he had dead to rights, two safeties blitzing off the edge. You know, he gets the ball, he makes one miss, he goes for 20 yards, and then they make a good play to pop the ball out. But the response, right? How do you come back from that, right? It's easy as a young player to start playing a little timid. Oh, I got that's all I'm thinking about is taking care of the ball. Yeah. Now you're not seeing the field. But Jameer Gibbs said, you know what? Screw it. I turned the ball over. I'm owning it. I'll, I'll be accountable. I got to go make up for it, though. And he did that. And he's just, man, he is such a different maker. He's so fast. He's so quick. He's so shifty. It started getting to a point there in the second half where, you know, we're looking around. We're like, where's David Montgomery? You know, I haven't seen him in a while. Did he get dinged up? I don't. I don't think so. I think there was a early on in the game. It looked like he took a hit, and it was the one they actually replayed it. It was a run off to the left, and there was an unbelievable pop uh, when he was tackled, and they okay. actually replayed it on TV. Then he went to the sidelines, and it looked like he was kind of blinking, like he was not sure necessarily where he was, but he did come back later. We just didn't see him as much. And I was wondering if there was anything on the sideline. I, not that I noticed. I mean, you know, at that point of the game, we kept peeking over and he's got his helmet on, you know, he's standing next to the coaches uh, and he did come in for a couple third downs, I think for protection, but look, that could be, Hey man, Gibbs is the hot hand right now, right? That could be, <clears throat> he, he's feeling it. He's making guys miss. He's doing some special things. Let's just keep rolling with him. It could be matchup oriented, you know, Hey, most of our run plays, the success we're having is somebody outside zones, right? Gibbs is more of your outside zone runner right. than Montgomery kind of in between the tackles. Um, Montgomery, I did think, missed a couple holes early in the game, too. I thought there was one that, you know, he took an outside zone to the left. Jonah's guy spiked inside. He had to kind of pin him. 
Instead of keeping it outside, David tried to bounce back inside, went for like a three-yard loss. Uh, that, to me, looked like a play that, man, if Montgomery just kept that outside, big opportunity. Yeah. So maybe the coaches said, hey, Gibbs is just seeing the field a little bit better today. We're going to ride with him. Um, maybe it's that type of game where, you know, you realize you're going to lean heavy on these two guys for the next for the rest of the season. Hey, Gibbs, today's your day. Maybe next week is Montgomery's Montgomery. day, right? We're going to try to keep you guys fresh. I didn't think that he got dinged up at all. Maybe he did. If he did it, you know, it, it didn't come up post game at all. But um, Gibbs is just a man. He's he's fun to watch. There's this one. There's this one clip that's going on. I saw it live, too. But there was this clip floating around social media where he makes the corner miss and just the amount of like uh, space that he creates on one cut is honestly like I've never seen something like that before. And we were watching it on the bus, you know, heading to the airport after the game. And everybody's like, man, like that, that, that looks like Barry Sanders. Like some of those cuts that he makes is yeah. Barry esque. We don't want to put that expectation up, but it's like, it reminds you of a guy like that, you know, and he's a special player. And he just seems to be getting better every single week, man. That's why, you know what? And we'll get into this, you know, farther down, the line here but if you operate this offensively the lot like you have the last two weeks if you're consistent with that you take care of the football you run the ball you protect the quarterback this this is a championship level offensive line this is a championship level run game right we already know we're in the playoffs it's just going to be next couple weeks going to decide who we're going to play what seed we're going to be but if you play like this I mean, we've seen the other teams in the NFC now show some cracks, right? We saw it Monday night with San Francisco. We saw it for a period of time with the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Yep. If you play like this, I'm not going to say you should be the favorite coming out of this or out of this conference, but you you put yourself right in that contender chair, man. Like that that's what it's all about. You love to see a team that's hitting their stride at this point of the season, right? They got knocked on their ass a couple weeks yeah. ago, Green Bay, then Chicago kind of knocked them on their ass. You feel like they almost needed that. It almost like a wake-up call. Hey, urgent guys, we got to get back to We got to get our shit right back again. Yeah. certainly looks that way the last couple of weeks. Hopefully they can keep it rolling. We all we all know this week's going to be a major challenge heading to Dallas, too. Well, it will be. Um, and I want to talk about the defense in just a minute, but just to give everybody an update on where, where the Lions stand in terms of the playoffs, you look at the standings right now. Obviously, they won the division. They're going to host a playoff game, but they are currently at the three seed. Doesn't mean that they have to stay there. If they beat Dallas and they go on to win against Minnesota, they will be the number two seed because the tiebreaker between Dallas and Detroit will be common opponents. And having beat Dallas, I mean, the, oh, the, the, the Dallas will be head to head. Right. Philadelphia yeah, head -head, it'll will be. Philly. be yeah, yeah. It'll, be, it'll be tied with Philly. Sorry. And the tiebreaker is common opponents. Dallas is that common opponent where Philly split with them, a win and a loss, the Lions would have beat them. Obviously, there was a Seattle, which they both, Philly and um, uh, Detroit, lost to. Uh, but everybody else, it was, it was matched up. Kansas City both won. So if they win at, at you know, both games, they're yeah. in the two seed. 100%. If they win and it is paired with in either game, now the San Francisco 49ers, who are the one seed, have the Commanders uh, and they have Rams. the Rams. Yeah. If they tie or win either of those games, paired with the Lions winning out, the Lions would be the number one. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you go, if you take care of your business, which is going two and out, the lowest you'll be is the two. You guarantee the two seed, no matter what happens with Philly. Um, San Fran to get the one seed, you just need them to lose or tie, like you yep. said, one of those last two games. Now, 
Commanders, I'm not putting too much stock <laughs> into Washington, trying to knock them out. No offense, John. I know no. those are your homeboys over there. Uh, but that last that last game of the season is going to be interesting. As long as we take care of our business, right? You look at a Rams team that's getting hot. That's a division matchup. They're right? also we, playing for their playoff They're, they're going to be playing for a whole lot, too, maybe seeding themselves, maybe even just trying to get into the postseason. That could be a game that has a lot of implications on not only, you know, do the Lions possibly bump up to the two, stay at the – or bump up to the one, stay at the two, but also – their first round opponent who's that going to be because the rams the seahawks the vikings are still kind of lingering around there we know whoever loses the whoever this is second place team uh in the nfc east is going to be whether it's philly or dallas is going to be the five seed yeah. um so there's going to be a lot to play for but you're right i mean that's as we sit here today right now they're the three seed but like you said if they win out no matter what philly does because they've got i think they've got the giants they've got the cardinals Odds on probably favorite win. to win out. Yeah. Doesn't matter. As long as you take care of your business, the lowest you can be is the two seed, which guarantees you two, two home, home games. games if you take care of the first one. So they're in a position now to really control their destiny to get the one seed. Kind of looked like it was off the table a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's not that far fetched anymore, right? I mean, you know, but the, the bottom line is, and I think this team has had this kind of mindset the whole season is that. We don't really care what other teams are doing, man. Like we're we're taking our stuff week by week, day by day. Like we're focused on what we have to do. You know what I mean? And that for Dan Campbell to get keep his group of guys in that type of mindset is very difficult in today's day and age. And I think it's very admirable to have these guys just prepared the proper way, right? Yeah. So obviously we know the big challenge this week is hey, short week, right? Got to go to Dallas, who has won 15 straight games at home. Last loss coming week one last year. I think it was against Tampa Bay uh, in Dallas. Uh, they're a very good team at home. You're obviously coming off of <laughs> a major high oh, yeah. right? with what we saw Sunday in, in, in Minnesota. How do you find a way to regroup these guys? How do you find a way to make sure you punch home that message that that's done, right? The division's done. We got that off our back. We've got bigger fish to fry. We've got to get back to work. We can't be worrying about that. No lingering hangovers, no lingering thoughts about the celebration and all that. We got to move on to Dallas because we really do have an opportunity to do something special. And all you, you know, I was in the playoffs eight times. I only won the Super Bowl once. Not to say only. It was great, great time to win. (laughs) Wish you could have won more. Um, But you understand once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Right. And the better you set yourself up heading into the playoffs, better chance you're going to give yourself uh, to give yourself an advantage. Something special. Yeah. Um, so let's talk defense real quick before we uh, before we go. Uh, 411 yards given up to Nick Mullins. Now, obviously, four interceptions to go along with it, some other turnovers. But how concerning is it? We've talked about the defense and yeah, they're putting pressure on. They got four sacks, four turnovers but it's still 411 yards of offense. What do, what do the Lions do? And is there, how big of an impact will C.J. Gardner-Johnson be, Aleem McNeil, possibly James Houston? I mean, you could get three playmakers back at about the right time. Yeah, I think, you know, Justin Jefferson really probably had, you know, two game-changing moments in that play, two big plays, I would say, you know, a couple, I think one of them coming on that last drive that was a third and forever, you know, he goes up a double cover, just makes a incredible play. I mean, let's just be honest, you know, he's that type of guy that's going to do that. Uh, He also made a hell of a catch in the end zone, you know, on that touchdown that was tightly covered as well. Um, I did notice a couple times, a couple slips in coverage, you know, early in the game, that might have been the first play, 
you know, they hit like a 35-yard gain to their tight end. Uh, it looked to me like the safety was supposed to be in man-to-man coverage, saw the play action, got a little greedy, said, you know what, I think I can go get pressure on him. Leaves his guy wide open. We saw a big play, right? Later in the game, second half, you know, and like fourth quarter, uh, they got back to a little bit more conservative play call. They were bringing a lot of pressure the entire game, bringing guys from all over the place. There was a couple series in a row there where they were trying to just go coverage, four-man pressure. The pressure wasn't really getting there. Nick Mullins had time to kind of locate some guys downfield. You saw some slips in coverage there. Um, obviously a little bit concerning, but, you know, for me, I think you've set kind of a – not not a new complete new identity, but a little bit of a wrinkle to your identity on defense, which is being aggressive as hell, like having a high pressure rate, having a high blitz rate, finding guys, finding ways to mis- mix match your pressures to where you can get a free runner at the quarterback and hopefully make a, a get a sack fumble like we saw against Denver or, or get a hit where, you know, the ball's popping up in the air. We get an interception. Right. I think that that has to be part of your identity moving forward. If you're Aaron Glenn is finding creative ways uh, to pressure the quarterback because, you know, at, at times the four-man rush was was good, still little, maybe not as consistent as you want to see it. So, um, you know, I want to see the same thing again in Dallas. I want to see them, you know, pressure uh, Dak Prescott. Dallas has a really good offensive front. Uh, it's going to be tough to get home with four guys at times. How can you be creative? How can you show them unscouted looks that they haven't right. seen before different packages on third down where maybe last week it was a double a gap mug maybe this week we're standing six seven guys up at the line and kind of moving around and you know challenging your communication skills how can you find ways to just create that one play that can make a difference in these type of games i want to see how they can do that but a guy like you know ify melifonwu we said this earlier on today's show kind of feels like a mid-season transaction a guy that you know you went and got and then playing for you the second half of the season and it's like man like the guys where'd he come from like a game changer right couple sacks couple interceptions couple forced fumbles couple big hits you know a couple pass breakups i mean the guy looks like a difference maker out there you couple that with the potential cj gardner johnson return which may happen i can say i I don't know if it will or not, but it may happen as early as this week. Yeah. Right. That's just giving you more, more toys to play with. That's giving you more ways to create versatility, create mismatches. If you're Aaron Glenn utilizing guys, maybe, Hey, we can put Cam Sutton on this guy and then bracket everybody else. Right. Or maybe we can double over here. There's so many more opportunities, uh, the more able players that you have. So I want to see how Aaron Glenn can keep these guys aggressive, how he can keep them playing at a high confidence level, how he can keep them playing at a, at a high physicality level, right? Because although we did see some slips uh, in the coverage at times, you still see, look, Minnesota ran the ball 11 times for 17 yards. Right, yeah. That's I mean, pretty damn good. One-dimensional. Right, that's pretty damn good. And for me, it's always been, I don't really care about how many yards you get. If I can lock you down in the red zone, I can force you to kick in some field goals. I can get a couple takeaways. That's what it's about. But if you can, the rest of this season, including the playoffs, I know we're looking far ahead. If you can stop the run, you're gonna. I mean, you're gonna have a tremendous opportunity to win the win these games. They obviously did a great job of it against Minnesota. You're gonna have to do another great job of it this week against yep. Dallas because if you allow them to be two dimensional, you know, throwing the ball, play action, running the ball, that's Comes a very, that's a very tough yep. team to beat. Well, we we can't talk about the playoffs because the Lions are guaranteed a playoff spot. They're yes, guaranteed they a home, home playoff game. game. So uh, everybody I know is excited, um, but we'll get a chance to talk about that up next the Dallas Cowboys and a trip to, uh, to Dallas, uh, safe travels. 
And uh, you as well, John. Thanks. Yeah, I'm going to be headed out no, to obviously to... Pasadena. Yes, sir. Uh, couple, Rose big, Bowl. couple big games for us Michiganders here this week. <laughs> I know. I tell you what, it's Saturday and Monday. <laughs> be a big weekend. It'll be a lot uh, of but fun. But we'll make sure to bring. Uh, it'll be a little bit later in the week. Just a heads up, because uh, I will be out in uh, California, not back until midweek. So. Uh, stay tuned as we will uh, bring you the breakdown of the game against the Cowboys as well as a look ahead to the final week of the regular season. TJ, I can't believe the regular We're season already. is almost over. But it's uh, it's that time of year. It's playoff time. We've got playoff football here in Detroit. Sure. So we'll talk to you uh, next week. Thanks for listening to Necessary Roughness.